At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job. Nice Job is reputation marketing software that can help you grow your service business. Nice Job's automated tools will help you collect two to three times more reviews and then share those reviews where it matters most. Using social proof and a high converting website, you can be the top rated in your field. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com for more information. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group, and because I work on a S-ton of Yorks, you know what I mean, an S-ton of Yorks, I'm in there quite often because they are the supplier of York parts, the Source One parts. So if you guys work on Yorks and you need some parts, check out The Master Group. Check out master.ca. Full disclosure here, guys. I'm sitting on a roof, just finished a PM, and I want to get this intro done. We're going to have a really cool conversation surrounding indoor air quality, specifically about ventilation. Now, indoor air quality has been catapulted forward, kind of in your face over the last year and a half, and and we can we can we know why. Okay, the COVID-19 coronavirus thing. Now, some people take it seriously, some people don't, some people are in the middle. It's all over the place when it comes to this thing, and we're not here to debate that on this podcast. Okay, what is not debatable is the fact that indoor air quality has been front and center uh, for a lot of homes and buildings because of it. That's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about ventilation, okay, and the importance of it. It's one of the main pillars of indoor air quality. And it's super important to have because it can it can take your indoor air quality from very poor to very good just with ventilation. Now, when we talk about ventilation, we need to introduce new air into a, into a space, building home, but we also need to get rid of some stale air. But by getting rid of the stale air and, and not exchanging any energy or any heat or any moisture, what you're basically doing is taking air that you've heated or cooled already. We're going to talk about this. You'll hear us talk in depth about this, me and Brian. What you're doing there is just dumping air outside that you've already paid. You've already used up that energy. You've already paid for that energy to heat, cool, humidify, dehumidify that, that air, whatever it is, whatever you've done with it. So when we bring in, when we bring in air, Okay, if it's hot, humid, if it's cold, if it's dry, we have to treat that air so we're not just bringing it in as is. So a way to recover energy, a way to bring in new air and get rid of old air, for lack of a better term, and exchange that energy or exchange that heat or moisture is something that we got to do to be energy efficient and to have superior indoor air quality. So Brian Stinnett from Oxygen 8 is on the podcast. We're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about their product. They're a startup company. They manufacture a low profile energy recovery unit and it works with Dakin VRV stuff, which is very, very cool. And they actually install some of the stuff in their factory based on uh, customized orders. So this is a really good conversation. It's educational. We learn about a, a new manufacturer in the HVAC space. And it's a good one, guys. That's all I can say. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Oh, P.S. P.S. Uh, my mic had an issue, so I had to use a different mic for this podcast. There's a bit of an air gap there. Um, nothing major. I just wanted to let you know uh, that I had to use a different mic. Bit of an air gap. Anyway, let's get to this right now. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry, discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Brian, how you doing, man? Good, Gary. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, and I hope this goes better than than the last conversation we tried to have about oxygenate. Uh, <laughs> so the audience knows. Uh, for some reason, 20 minutes into the 
the, the discussion, I look at the, the recording tab and it's, it's like, it's not recording. I'm like, what is going on here? So anyway, we, we rescheduled for tonight and I want to thank you for being here because we have something cool to talk about and, and that is oxygen eight, what it is, what it does, how it works and, and all that kind of good stuff. But first, Brian, I would like you to sort of introduce yourself and give a quick background on your experience, your your work within within this industry that we're we're currently in and speaking about right now. Yeah, great. Thanks, Gary. So my background uh, started with mechanical engineering degree from Oregon State a number of years ago. Uh, went off and spent seven years as a surface warfare officer in the Navy after that. Um, following my time in the Navy, I started with Carrier in the HVAC industry. Um, spent 16 years with Carrier, a couple years um, in the service portion of the business, uh, managing service technicians, a couple years as an equipment sales guy in Detroit, and then uh, was the equipment commercial equipment sales manager in Detroit for for several years, then transferred down to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live now as the uh, commercial equipment and service sales manager for Carrier in Raleigh. After 16 years with Carrier, um, I took a job as the East Coast Regional Sales Manager for a company called Swagon. Swagon is a Swedish-based company that has a North American headquarters in uh, Toronto, Canada. They had just moved over into the North American market before I started with them. So much like a startup here in North America. Spent five years there, the first couple of years managing East Coast sales, and then took over the Western United States sales for them. They're an energy recovery unit and chill beam manufacturer here in North America. After a time, time there, left there and went to Simcoe as a sales director. And after a period there, came over to Oxygenate and, and the regional sales manager for Oxygenate for the Western United States. Cool. Now, I, I got to ask, when you were at Carrier managing the technicians, was it basically just like managing egos over there and like big, <laughs> big children running around and saying, I'm right and you're wrong? I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was a lot of highly uh, skilled chiller technicians. We, we took our, care of all the carrier chillers from essentially, uh, and my group did, from Eight Mile Road in Detroit down through T Toledo, Ohio. So we had a big territory and a lot of chillers. Nice. I'm only kidding anyway. I just, I just, <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to poke fun at, at carrier techs for a minute, but I, I, I love all technicians. Um, so Oxygen 8 is, um, is a startup company, correct? Yes. Yes, it is. It's about uh, 18 months old now. Um, started by James Dean, primarily, along with uh, Matt Doherty. Okay. Now, can you explain exactly what, because I, I have an idea of what Oxygen 8 is, and I believe that it's, uh, you guys have opened up into a market that is looking to correct a lot of indoor air quality issues, uh, because one of the big, huge reasons that people are taking a deeper dive into this is, is, uh, is what's affecting the, the planet right now. And that's this COVID-19 thing. And a lot of people are taking it, um, taking a deep dive into how we can make our indoor air quality that much better because of it. There's been a lot of research done, um, a lot of studies, this and that. And I mean, there's information all over the place, uh, right? And you don't know what to believe. You, you don't know who to trust. But one thing that I do know, because I've seen the evidence in my own home and my own buildings for my own customers, is that ventilation and fresh air is a massive bump to indoor air quality and and i know oxygenate is something along the lines of that so if you want to explain explain brief brief uh, i can't try to speak my words out here that's probably because i made fun of the carrier chiller text it's <laughs> yeah it's, karma, yeah, it's karma coming back on me anyway if you wanted to explain briefly what uh, oxygen 8 is for, for the audience right here. so so oxygen 8 is an energy recovery um manufacturer making energy recovery units there, there's a number of energy recovery unit manufacturers in that space i'll say that uh, energy recovery units themselves and that this focus on ventilation increasing ventilation um, has become more and more important obviously with COVID, it's become extremely important because we need to try to bring as much fresh air in as possible to dilute whatever viruses or contaminates are, are in the building. You know, it's always been important because of CO2, which comes off of people. We want to keep the CO2 levels down. 
It's also been extremely important because of the VOC chemicals coming off of carpets and paints and whatever in commercial buildings. So it's always been important, but it's become forefront of importance with COVID. So the, the important thing here is that you use an energy recovery unit to try to save some of the energy to treat with a heat or cool that ventilation air. It, it takes a lot of energy to cool that ventilation air in the summer and to heat that ventilation air in the winter. Um, if you don't have some kind of energy recovery method going on to, to recover some of the energy that, from the air that you're exhausting. So Oxygenate is in that space of energy recovery units for commercial buildings and, and multifamily residential buildings. Um, and James really saw an opening where there, there was very few, if any, low profile commercial energy recovery units that have high recovery efficiency and also have really high-end controls and high-end construction, like high-end modular air handlers. So this, this uh, Oxygenate commercial line is really the ERV that a lot of people have been looking for. It's an ERV that's small, compact, low-profile, allows you to put it above a ceiling or in a closet, also allows you to have very high recovery efficiency with high-end DDC controls and the ability to have a well-built um, non-leaky, non-air leaky cabinet because we're using double wall uh, foam injected panel construction. So all those things combined together, it's a high-end energy recovery unit you can put into a very small space. Okay, so let's let's talk energy recovery in, in a generalized fashion for a minute because I think that it's a good conversation to have in terms of of the educational factor and because you, you said that you you allow some warm air or cold air into a building now you have to heat or cool that warm air in in the building now that that uses up energy um, that you might not need to use so in comes the uh, energy recover uh, recovery system like an e, like an erv so can you explain a little bit how that all works and how we're recovering this energy yeah, and, and the key premise here is this. If I've already heated and cool, heated or cooled, depending upon the season, if I've already heat or, heated or cooled air that's in my building, there's no reason that I should throw that outdoors and go bring in more outside air and pay again to heat and cool that outside air. Yeah. If I've already paid to heat and cool a bunch of air in a building, I'd like to extract that energy from that air and pre-treat that incoming outside air so I don't have to start from scratch. And what that means is, you know, let's take Detroit, right? So Detroit design condition in the winter, minus 12. You know, if you have to heat minus 12 air up to 70 degrees, it's a lot of energy. But if I can take the energy that I'm going to exhaust from the building, which is going to be roughly equal to the amount of outside air that I bring in, I can take that energy from that outside air, that 70 degree air, if I can use that air to preheat that incoming minus 12 degree air, well, that means less gas I have to buy, less power I have to buy to heat that minus 12 degree air. So for instance, I can take minus 12 degree air in Detroit, pass it through a heat exchanger where I've got 70 degree exhaust on one side and minus 12 fresh air on the other, and I can make that fresh air about 50 degrees. So I can pick up about 62 degrees worth of heat based on air I already have in the building. And then I'm just heating that air from roughly 50 up to 70. So I'm only heating it 20 degrees with a source of gas or source of electricity or whatever. So dramatic energy savings if I can extract the energy from the exhaust air that I have to take out of the building and transfer that to the fresh air I'm bringing in. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you in a minute how Oxygen 8 does it. I've seen ways that some other manufacturers of HRVs and ERVs have done it. Um, but you talked about temperature. Now, what about moisture? Because we have the same issue that, so in, in the summertime, if it's a very humid summer or very humid climate that somebody's in, and then you're bringing in this very humid air, like fresh air is very humid, uh, now we got to get rid of that moisture with the cooling system. So how are we recovering or how are we exchanging that, that moisture through an energy recovery system? Yeah, very good question because not only is that temperature a key piece, but it's also the moisture transfer. 
uh, very important in the Midwest, in the Southeast, East Coast, not so much important um, in the summertime in the, in the mountain states in the West Coast, but could be very important in the wintertime in those cold mountain climates because I'd like to keep the moisture in the building. I'd like to keep that in. Yeah. I'd like, you know, I'd like to transfer that moisture I already have in the building in the wintertime and, and transfer it to the in incoming dry, cold outside air. So what happens is there's two types of recovery devices. One is called a heat recovery device, which does just temperature that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. The second option is an energy recovery device. An energy recovery device transfers not only temperature, but it also transfers moisture. The way that works it depends upon the recovery device, whether whether it's a wheel or a plate, but it allows the moisture, the water molecules that are in the air, to move from the more moist airstream to the more dry airstream. It works on something called partial vapor pressure. But what happens is, it, let's take the summertime. If I have really humid, warm air outside, I'd like to get rid of as much of that humidity as I can before I bring it in the building. So if on one side of the heat exchanger is that drier exhaust air coming out of the building, on the other side is that more moist air coming in from outside, the moisture in those two airstreams is gonna try to come to equilibrium. They're gonna try to come to an equal point, which means that the moisture molecules in that humid outside air will move to that dry, drier exhaust air. In our in Oxygenate's case, we use a plate heat exchanger. That plate heat exchanger has pores that are just big enough in it to allow a water molecule to move through it, but not big enough. Those pores are not big enough to allow any kind of virus or bacteria crossover. A, a water molecule is very small. It's about 2.8 angstroms, very tiny. Other chemicals like volatile uh, organic compounds, uh, off-gassing from carpets, etc., bacteria, virus, they're all bigger than that. So where a water molecule will transfer through that device, any other kind of molecule will not. What did you say the size of a water mo molecule was? 2.8 angstroms. 2.8 ang angstrom. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's. Ex I don't know how many zeros it is, but it's extremely small. Okay, is do you know if the conversion into micrometers? Do you know what the conversion into micrometers is? Well, I've got a computer here in front of me, and I can Google it real quick while we're talking. Okay, cool. Because I have um, I have Googled just out of um, for shits and giggles, just for for my own sort of uh, useless information. I have Googled the size of a of the coronavirus <laughs> one because we were talking my, me and my kids were talking and they're like that yeah, like and i'm like yeah it's this small and we googled it and it was like 0 0.07 to 0 0.09 micrometers was the size of um the coronavirus according to what we read online now i mean like i said in the beginning of the podcast sometimes you get information you don't know if it's right so i'm going to presume that that is the size of it and i just want to compare it to the to the 2.8 and how do you pronounce it? Eng Engram? Angstrom. Yeah. Angstrom. So, Angstrom. Let's see. So this says that one angstrom is 0.1 nanometer. Um, what else? Now you were saying mic micrometer? Micrometer, yeah. Yeah, angstrom to micrometer. So one angstrom is 0.0001 micrometer. So I mentioned on the last podcast that this segment has a new sponsor heading that is JB Warranties. Now, what are they? They're a company, a platform essentially that offers warranty programs past the manufacturer's warranty to your customers. So independent contractors or large scale contractors can use them. I know a lot of independent contractors, they get worried that a lot of larger companies that do stuff like this may not work with them because they're so small but JB Warranties works with independent contractors. So check them out if you want to offer extended warranty programs to your customers. Haven IAQ, guys, we're doing a giveaway, and it, I hope you listen to this podcast uh, shortly after it's released because the giveaway, it started on November 9th, okay, 2021, 
and it's going to end on the 11th at 8 p.m. randomly picked. So if you listen to this before, uh, before that, go to Instagram, check out the post for the giveaway of Haven IAQ Central Air Monitor and Central Air Controller. They're doing some awesome things within the, the HVAC space when it comes to indoor air quality. So check that out. Trade Fox is another brand that is on my map and has been on my map ever since I found out about it. Now, I shouldn't say on my map. It's on my radar. <laughs> but I found it on the map with the radar. Anyway, Trade Fox, what they're doing here is collecting up ideas from technicians, ideas, even prototypes from technicians of tools that they've invented or tool ideas that they have. They're working together, bringing these to market and distributing them um, to anywhere that Subco basically distributes parts and products to. And if, if you have an idea, you're going to reach out to ideas at subcotradefox.com and hopefully you can work together on a project. Uh, NAVAC let's say they're known for their recovery machines. They're known for their vacuum pumps, especially their, their battery powered two CFM and four CFM, but they have some incredible tubing tools too, like their battery uh, powered flaring tool, um, their hydraulic swaging gun. Now there's going to be a battery powered swaging gun coming out soon, probably sometime early in the new year that we're going to, we're going to get a hold of and demo, but if you like the Navac brand, check out some of their tubing tools because they're they're amazing. So the diameter of a human hair yeah. is about a million angstroms. Okay. So just as a you know, something you can put in your mind and see. So it's it's extremely, extremely small. Wow, okay. So that puts it into perspective then. Okay, awesome. So Oxygenate uses a plate type heat exchanger. Like what I've seen in the past is like um, a heat recovery wheel that continues to spin um, or an energy recovery wheel that just spins constantly. And there's an air, there's an airstream at the top, there's an airstream at the bottom. And as the wheel spins, it's, um, it's moving energy from one airstream to the other type thing. Um, and then the other type I've seen, it's almost like corrugated, like Bristol board or cardboard, or whatever in like a, in like a box type and it slides in like a, in a diamond shape, kind of like, a, mm -hmm. um, and it just slides in and out and it looks like cardboard, but it's shiny or shinier material, like a Bristol board almost. Um, and, and, and I've seen those types of heat exchangers. So yours is totally different from those two. I just mentioned. Correct. Right? Yes. Because the one, so you've got your wheel and wheels can be different materials. They can be a poly or plastic material. They can be aluminum coated with, with um, whether it's a desiccant or molecular sieve, et cetera, um, or a fixed core or plate heat exchanger, which we use. We use plate heat exchangers for a number of reasons that we can go into, but um, the plate heat exchanger that we use is not the kind, there are two types of plate heat exchangers. The one that you mentioned before is made of a cellulose material. So it's like a, a paper or wood grain material so that, so there's a cellulose material that we don't use that the, those tend to degrade much much faster what we use is a poly or a plastic material um, for our enthalpy heat exchanger so the one that transfers both temperature and moisture for the heat exchanger that's just temperature only those are aluminum plates okay cool now when we were talking to james or when we attempted to talk to james <laughs> on the last um interview he was mentioning how these are low profile like do you want to touch on that for a minute because when i think of low profile i'm thinking of like a tire on a car and and how it's it's, it's a low profile tire so i'm trying to equate that into a piece of hvac equipment so can you explain sure. that a little bit yeah so what we mean by low profile is that the vertical height of the unit is is very short Okay. So if I use, and I can orient the unit in different ways, but if I orient orient it horizontally, so I've got I've got the unit oriented horizontally with with connections typically on the end. Height of the unit for for let's say uh, 500 to 1,000 cfm is only about 16 to 18 inches tall, so it's very short. If I go bigger in airflow, it, it increases up to about 30 inches tall once I get up to about 3,000 cfm. The way we accomplish that height is really twofold. Um, we utilize these core heat exchangers. And 
core heat exchangers specifically allow you to have low height because I can I can get these cores really in any kind of dimensions I want. So if I want a, a core that's short in height and wider, I can make it like that or buy it like that. As opposed to a wheel, which when I use an ERV wheel, the height and width of the unit is pretty much driven by the diameter of that wheel. Yeah. Right? I've got a big wheel in there. So at the same size, for instance, for the with the other companies I've worked for, at the same size, that same, you know, rough, let's call it a thousand CFM. If I were using a wheel, the minimum height I could do is about 36 inches tall. Now, if I use cores and I buy cores or have them made that are short in height and wider, well, I can get down to that 16 to 18 inches tall. That So it's the core height that I'm using coupled with the fan. Now, if I were to go use a, you know, a standard... Um, squirrel cage type blower or some kind of fan like that, those fans are taller. We're using direct drive ECM fans that we can get in very small sizes so I can get good airflow with good static pressure capability, but in a, a fan that's got a small diameter. What sort so of fan blade? Things, what sort of fan blade are you using? So it's a, a plug fan, it's a backward, backward incline plug type All right. fan. Okay. Okay. And then is there is there two fans, like one for... Supply one for and supply return. and one for exhaust. That's correct. And they, okay. they're on a horizontal plane, either side by side or on opposite ends, depending upon the type of, of core heat exchanger that we're using. All right. And and because it's low profile, what 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 does that say for service access? If you were have if you have to change a, a fan motor or um, and the other question I have is to are, are these heat exchangers, are they cleanable? Like, can you remove them and clean them? Like, sure. So, so, so start I'll, I'll start start with the start with the, the service, um, I guess service access, and then go on with the yeah. And the beauty, so the beauty of having, uh, or the beauty of service access with a low profile unit, is that now as low profile, I can access everything from one side because it's only 18 inches deep. So whether whether I've got it horizontally hung from the ceiling and I have bottom access in that case, or or if I flip that unit on its side and put it on the floor or put it up against a wall, because it's so shallow, I'm only reaching in to 18 inches depth, so I can access everything right in front of me from that from that one side access with the doors. So, so the other piece about cleaning, that heat exchanger, really what the, the only maintenance on that is to vacuum that thing off. You can spray water through there, but there really is no need. The, the gap spacing in the heat exchanger is such that Anything that makes it through the MERV-8 or MERV-13 filters will pass right through the heat exchanger. So the only thing I'm really concerned about cleaning off is the leading edge of that heat exchanger where there, where there might be something that, that gets on there, whether it's, uh, I don't know, somehow pet hairs or something makes it through a filter. You know, I don't know how that stuff makes it through, but it does. Um, you know, you can vacuum that face of that off, and that's all you need to do. Okay. All right. Now, that, that was that's a good – you brought up filters – and you said MERV 13, so we can we can put a MERV 13 filter on this, and it's got enough uh, air movement to, to 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 get past that MERV 13. Yep, yeah, we we use as standard MERV 13 on the outside air, and MERV 8 on the return air. Although we can do MERV 13 on both, and yes, with the MERV 13 filters, we still have the ability to handle another two and a quarter to two and a half inches of duct static pressure. So way more than enough um, static pressure capability, even with those MERV 13 filters. Yeah, that's that's good. And 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 I guess MERV 13, you're using because I guess the industry has come together over the last year or so and said MERV 13 is the minimum sort of requirement to protect human beings within a building. Because I, I know before it's yep. just like everyone slamming a MERV 8 in there, which is okay for dust and stuff like that. But really, it's just there to protect the machine at that point. But now everybody's really, um, really, they got a, I, I was <laughs> for lack of a better term, they got a hard on for these MERV 13 filters. And, and I, yeah, and I always, you know, I always, I always said before with MERV 8s, MERV 8s are great at, you know, everything, including birds and small dogs. But other than that, you know, it's going right through there. If it's smaller than a bird or a small dog, it's, it's passing through that MERV 8. So, but that used to be the standard. That's because you're right. Now everybody was just concerned about protection, not for the internals of the equipment, not about protection for 
occupants of the building. Yeah. And now that yeah. we MERV 13 has been stated to be uh, have the ability to filter out particles small enough to include uh, the removal of viruses. And that's the big thing. A MERV 13 will block virus movement. Um, so that's the key. Yeah. And, and I always tell people, and, and I'm glad that you had an answer for that when I asked you, because I always, customers are always like, yeah, just um, can we put some MERV 13 filters in? And I said, well, well, yes and no, because we have to check to make sure that your machine is, is going to be able to run properly with a MERV 13 filter. And if it doesn't, then we're going to have to figure out, try, try to maybe get you some more airflow through this thing, because otherwise you're going to have problems. Uh, yep. Maybe not in the short term, but you could in the long term with like uh, heat exchangers overheating or you know what I mean? So um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad yeah, you before, guys. Before we had uh, you know access to all the vaccines, I went throughout my house and replaced all my filters in my house with MERV 13 filters because I didn't, if one of us came down with COVID, I didn't want it moving throughout the house. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, I like that. That's a good conversation to have. And, and I've read a lot of articles on that too. And, and, and how viruses move through, like, does it make it to the filter? Does it move through the house? Does it land on surfaces? There's so much, there's so much information and so much stuff we don't know out there. So it's just best to, to try to, get what you can as far as the best filter yeah, you can do what you can and yeah keep exactly your frost and, that's that's and that's right that's right and that, that we could we could open up such a, a pandora's box here with with this and air cleaners and uv lights and there's just oh, so yeah. much and there's just so much involved right there's so much data out there for and against and it's it's just a complete like when you're trying to read these these things you're like what should i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? any anyway we're, we're here to talk about uh, oxygenate. So the other thing that I found interesting here was that Oxygen 8 integrates with Dakin VRV. So how, how does that how does that happen? Right. So so we have the ability to add coil box modules onto our energy recovery units. And, and it's, a, it's a box with a coil in it that bolts on to the supply opening of the unit. And it can be a heating coil or a cooling coil. So maybe it's a, a hot water coil or an electric coil for heating. Or maybe it's a hydronic chill water coil or DX coil for cooling. In this case, with the VRV integration with the Daikin equipment, I can put in that coil box a coil that meets Daikin's design characteristics and requirements for their VRV system. Then I get the Daikin control components and the Daikin uh, expansion valves and associated thermistors. We get those from, from our rep who's selling the project. And we install then the Daikin controller, the expansion valves, the refrigerant expansion valves on the coil, the associated thermistors. We install all that on the unit so that when it shows up to the job site, they then pipe it up to a Daikin VRV heat pump. And now it has VRV heat pump heating and cooling at the discharge of the ERV unit. So instead of just pre-treating that outside air to let's say 80, 67 in summer and 55 in the winter, I can now cool that air even further. I can supply 55 degree air, really whatever air temp I want in the summer, same in the winter. I can heat it with that heat pump in the winter. So it, it doesn't mean that I just have to take whatever air is coming off that heat recovery discharge and live with it. I can do whatever I want to. I can even, yeah, even now, Daikin's going to release this hot gas reheat option, which is going to allow me to take that air, cool it down to, let's say, 55 in the summer, and then reheat it back to, let's say, 65 or 70, so I can have dehumidification reheat going on with my ERV units, so all kinds of capabilities. That that's very cool. So, if 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 you, if you were going to design a project, uh, we need to come to you guys, Oxygen Eight, and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to put this Dakin system in. I want uh, an Oxygen Eight energy recovery system, and this is what I want it to do." So, you guys would put this together in the factory and then ship it out to the job. Is that is that what you said? Yep, exactly. So, our selection program, our online selection program will allow our reps and customers that we've given access to, will allow them to select the ERV and select the associated Daikin VRV 
DX coil in there and we will factory install all the necessary components so that we design the system for whatever kind of supplier attempts we want. We get the components, we factory install it, ship to the job site where they connect it up to a Daikin VRV heat pump. Interesting. So let me ask you this. If, if that happens, if you can introduce fresh air into a building um, and heat it or cool it, are you just doing this uh, for ventilation purposes or to, to temper the air? Or is there another system in the building that's actually heating and cooling? Yeah, good question, because typically, um, and, and I'll tell you when this wouldn't be the case, but typically there is going to be some other source of heating or cooling in the building. So I would say probably 50% of the time that we have some kind of heating cooling device associated with the ERV, where we're doing something other than just providing you know, whatever air comes off that heat exchanger. Um, whether it's 55 and cooling or whatever, or it's dehumidification reheat or whatever. Um, and, and the primary purpose I've seen for that is that, you know, different kinds of systems um, might need different air. Chill beam systems, for instance, use 100% outside air, which would come off of our ERV, but it needs to be, you know, about 57 degrees. So this would be perfect for feeding air into a chill beam system. It's also a good way to provide some more dehumidification capability um, to to a system that they've got in, indoors that may not have a lot of dehumidification capabilities. Um, so it just it really depends upon what the overall design of the HVAC system is, what kind of air they might want off that. Um, there is, like I said, there there is a case where where we've gotten involved with some passive house jobs. And passive house is a, an energy standard with extremely low heating and cooling loads in the building because the buildings are extremely tight, they're super insulated. Um, those kind of buildings we've seen that the heating and cooling load in the building is so small that we can actually provide all the necessary heating and cooling just by providing that heater cooled uh, ventilation air. So, so just that ventilation air quantity provided at 55 degrees in the summer and 80 in the winter is enough to offset the heating and cooling load in the space. Hmm. So, yeah, so basically you're, you're recovering energy from the building already, um, preheating or pre-cooling, and then you're using a Dakin coil to further heat or cool that air to the temperature that's needed. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. I've, I've never, like I've, I've, I've never seen an energy recovery system do that. Like I've seen makeup air units that um, they will basically bring in 100% outside air, temper the air to whatever, like let's say 65 degrees, something like that for like maybe like a condo, like for the hallways or something like that. And then they'll have just, they'll, they'll have exhaust fans on the other side, but there's zero energy recovery. You're just dumping all of that energy just right, right outside. Exactly. So, that's what I was saying before. You know, they've paid to heat or cool that air that's in the building and then they dump it outside, like you just said, and they pay again to heat or cool that ventilation air. That That's what makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. So your um, Oxygen 8 is, uh, is located in Vancouver, British Columbia? That's correct. Um, so we do some manufacturing in the Toronto area, but our headquarters is located in Vancouver and, and our primary manufacturing facility, which, you know, we is, is recently new, you know, it's new, recently developed and you know, planning for expansion already. Sales are going through the roof. So we've got to, we've got to keep our mind on expanding the production facility to keep up. So who, like what sort of jobs, what sort of, um, you don't have to say like the na name name the the jobs that you're on, but what sort of applications right now are you building uh, building for? And and like engineers are obviously specking your equipment. So what sort of jobs are they specking the equipment for? Is this large, uh, commercial, industrial, like smaller uh, applications? Like what are you seeing the most? Well, you know, because we primarily focus on smaller size units, and our and our primary focus is on um, distributed energy recovery units, so not the, the one big energy recovery unit out on the roof or down in the mechanical room. 
there, there's some downside to that. And, and a lot of that has to do with running air around through ducts to one central location, you know, consuming a lot of fan energy. So our primary focus is on distributed ventilation units where I might have one per floor of a building or maybe even multiple per floor in a building, one per classroom in a school, et cetera. Um, that way I can have smaller unit, less ductwork, less fan energy consumed in, in moving air. I'm not moving vast quantities of air through three miles of duct to get it to a mechanical room or out to a roof somewhere. So we tend to focus on smaller units with, with the distributed ventilation approach throughout the building. And we are really honestly doing jobs from universities to K-12 schools to hair salons to, I mean, you name it, um, all kinds of stuff. We're not, we're not typically doing, um, you know, let's say large hospital jobs, which might have a 50,000 CFM um, energy recovery unit or a huge casino with a 50,000 or 100,000 CFM energy recovery unit. But we're focused more on on the kind of jobs where they're doing distributed ventilation with smaller size units located throughout the building. What about residential? Anything for the residential? Um, yeah, good question. People? So we just released two models of multifamily residential. So I'm talking about high rise residential. We don't we don't focus on single home or single family home residential, but we do focus on the multifamily or high rise residential projects. So we just released two models that are the smaller size to use in condos and apartments. Um, and then we've got two more models that are going to be coming out as well. So, so we've got the bigger units that we use on the commercial buildings and the smaller ones for the high-rise residential type projects. Cool. So what um, it intrigues me when, when people or an individual or a group of individuals go out and they, they start a business and and I think James touched on this briefly the last time. He was saying he was he was uh, took some time off and went mountain climbing with his kids, and I think he was just like in the fresh air. And he, I think he wanted to sort of, um, from what I remember, just bring the the fresh air he was breathing into a building and, and somehow make it very very efficient. So it intrigues me, and I'll get your side of the story when when someone says, "Aha, I have an idea," and they just go for it, like because there's a ton of people doing this already. There's a ton of manufacturers doing energy recovery already. So what brought on the, the idea to start Oxygen 8 as far as as far as you know? Yeah, and that, that's the same story that, that I've heard James talk about, you know, the ability to to have that feeling of fresh air. You know, I, I get the same thing when I, you know, I, I try to spend as much time as I can hiking, outdoors, hunting, fishing, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of my favorite things to do is high altitude hunting in Idaho. And when I go up, you know, I'm hunting, deer hunting out there at 10,000 feet, camping for a week. I mean, it's just the crisp, clean air being outside is just unbelievable. You contrast that to the air or the way that you typically feel inside a building, right, with, with very minimal ventilation. It, it's not even close. So I can, I can fully understand James's thought process there. Wouldn't it be nice if I could have more ventilation and the ability to bring in this additional ventilation without spending a ton of money to do it, to be able to recover that energy from the exhaust air so I can save myself money on heating and cooling that incoming outside air, but to, to make it feel, you, know, you can tell when there's more ventilation in a space. And I think you mentioned this at the very beginning. There's been a number of studies that talk about cognitive ability and performance in schools by you know, K-12 and K-12 classrooms. When you have more ventilation, people's brains work better. They feel better. They work better. They're more attentive. They're, the high CO2 levels are not impacting them and causing them to fall asleep. You know, that's a, that's a key thing. When I go do, you know, uh, talks and, and presentations, you know, somebody is always in there falling asleep. So when I was with Carrier, I used to carry a CO2 meter with me and I'd set it on the table. I'll tell you what, it amazed me how high CO2 levels will get in a typical office building conference room uh, with, with everybody sitting in there. Um, way how, off the how, chart. How high were you seeing them, just out of curiosity? Well, you know, you're supposed to, I think the, the magic number is supposed to be 1,000 um, ppm or less, and, and we were well over that. So there were times that, that it was up 1,600, 1,800, 2,000. They, they, there were some that were very, very high. I'm not even sure they had ventilation air going on. Yeah. And in a lot of older buildings, you know, in the service industry, I saw this with Carrier. We'd go out to service a, a large package rooftop 
an old one. And I don't know, something had been wrong with the dampers, or maybe they figured they were spending too much money on, on heating, cooling the ventilation air. They would just close the dampers off and screw them shut. You know, so there was no outside air coming into those buildings. And it wasn't just one building. I saw a lot of buildings like that. So there's a lot of existing buildings out there that are not bringing in near enough ventilation air for the occupants. Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of quick little stories on that that hopefully somebody can get value from. When I was, uh, I, I don't know, I was in the trade for a few years at this point, and we took care of a school that was right across the road from our shop. And the owner said, go over there. People are complaining and getting headaches and nauseous and, and all that kind of stuff and do a CO2 reading in the building. And we did, and it was around 11, 1200 uh, parts per million. And um, he had us take like a, I think it was a, a rotating vein anemometer and, and measure the, it was, the, it was the, it was the hood where the economizer is. And, and he had us crack the the dampers open to a certain point and he used this rotating vein anemometer to, to get the, the CFM. Like we did all the, all this, this work to get 10% uh, fresh air coming in out of the CFM that the machine was moving. Right. Yeah. And then I, I don't know if we went back and, and did readings again, but um, it, it was definitely because of the CO2 that the tiredness and stuff like that. And when you're saying people were going around closing up dampers and there was zero fresh air in a building, I've encountered this where there's there's one particular site that I know of, and this has happened there. In the summertime, when it's severely humid outside, they have dehumidification rooftops, and they're trying to dehumidify constantly, and they're trying to keep it around 55% uh, RH. And what happens in the summer, if those dampers are cracked a little bit to allow fresh air, the, the RH goes through the roof, because now the rooftop it needs it's, it's trying to get rid of the moisture from the outside air not just in the building but also the outside air so that it's like it doesn't have the capacity to deal with it so we got to go around and close the dampers so there's zero fresh air because when the warehouse goes out of spec then they have to write all these big write-ups and emails and the customer that's storing their stuff there they get they get alerted and it becomes this giant fiasco so that that is that is a i guess a place where the equipment is not sized correctly to handle the outside air when it's really humid outside. So uh, I see what you're saying, definitely. And and, and if and, those kind of places would utilize something like an Oxygenate ERV, they could knock out a lot of the humidity out of that outside air without even using a compressor because it would transfer that moisture from that humid outside air over to the exhaust air and blow it out the building. So yeah. they can get rid of a lot of a lot of that humidity very simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's a good point. And, and in my home, I've, I've mentioned before, like with my HRV running for a 24 hour period, because I turned it off, I waited and it was like up, up around a thousand. I turned it on, waited for 24 hours and I'm just over 700 parts per million CO2. And you can really tell the difference. Like it's like a night and day. It's like walking into, it's, it's like you feel the fresh air. Um, it, when you're breathing it in, like you could just, it's, it's just night and day, but. Um, and so one of the, you know, along and just to finish that thought. So James had that, had that idea about the need to bring in fresh air. But one of the key issues with that is that typically if I'm using a wheel unit, it's like we talked about before, it's wide and tall. So most mm -hmm. ERVs are big and then you have to figure out how to fit them in the building somewhere, especially mm -hmm. retrofit. It's, it's very difficult. So that's why James thought, you know, Hey, what if we could build, a really low profile, small footprint kind of unit where I could really put this thing into a lot of different places above the ceiling, in a closet, et cetera, and be able to bring in that fresh air, you know, and in a very energy efficient way. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing that you guys are doing because it, but like we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of need um, for higher standards of, of indoor air quality and a lot of, a lot of, uh, and, and I actually talked to, to James about this too, uh, because we, we were doing a lot, I'm doing a lot of testing and work with Haven uh, IAQ. I've got a couple of monitors in my house and a controller, and I'm actually looking at the data and going, wow, when I cook or burn popcorn or bacon, like the particulate matter in the home and the VOCs are like rising. Yeah. The, these are, they're rising for a short amount of time because I do have an HRV that's, that's ventilating the home. 
Uh, but it, it's cool to see if, I, if like there's probably people out there with a lot of chronic indoor air quality issues. Um, and, and that's where those things would come in handy. So, I mean, all of the, all of this is, is coming together. And I think, I think that in, in due time, we're going to start, uh, building codes, uh, for homes to have like superior indoor air quality. It's, it's all coming, I think. So, um, yep, yeah, you got, you, you're right. You know, in every successive code that comes out, they, they improve on the requirements for ventilation and for energy recovery of that ventilation air. So every, every one that comes, every successive one that comes, more and more energy recovery and more and more ventilation. Well, um, we had a great chat. Uh, Oxygen yeah. 8, you guys are doing some good stuff. And if there's any, if there's any way that people can get a hold of you guys to, to look into or ask questions or, or just probe you guys a little bit more on, on this, how would they do that? Yeah, so they can go to our website and that's Oxygen 8. And so it's the word oxygen and then the number eight dot ca and you know i think you're in canada correct so so that's probably not a new thing for you but being in the u.s you know the first week i was employed with these guys i kept trying to put dot com and nothing would happen so if they use oxygenate.ca they'll get to our website and there's all kinds of information in there um, you know about both commercial products as well as the multifamily residential type products yeah, I like to see, to, to be honest with you, most of the U.S. is, is a powerhouse when it comes to manufacturing and, and stuff for the HVAC industry. And it's nice to see that uh, Canada is is coming along, Oxygen 8, like Haven IAQ, and, and the company I just mentioned to you a little while ago, AV, AVX, they're also Canadian. So it's nice to see everybody dipping their toe into, into the pool and, yeah. and, and try to make this industry better. So, um, <clears throat> Brian, I thank you for your time tonight, man. I had a great chat and, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, Gary, me too. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Well, I got to thank Brian for that really in-depth conversation. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Indoor air quality, it has come front and center as we discussed in the opening of this podcast. And nowadays we have the tools to take a snapshot of our indoor air quality, like the Haven IAQ platform, where we can we, we can monitor and control things. Now, it's always best, before we slap something in, it's always best to find out how your indoor air quality is doing. Find out what kind of building envelope you got. Is it leaky? Is it tight? Um, do we have high CO2? Do we have these things going on in our building? It's good to take a snapshot of this stuff. And, and a product like Haven IAQ helps with this, okay? Um, and then when you figure out what's wrong, you can implement the, the proper fixes instead of just throwing everything um, in the kitchen sink at it and hoping it works right? There's science, there's advanced technology we can use nowadays to figure these things out. So let's harness the power of that. Anyway, guys, I'm out once again to the master group. Thank you. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.